Welcome to College App 101. I'm your host, Dr. Riley. Succeeding in high school is challenging, and applying to college can be overwhelming. I hope my comments here ease the tension you may feel. It will benefit you to think like a college admissions counselor. She's the lady that will read your application to Trinity or Denison. He's the guy that will handle your application to Oberlin or Boston University. I've worked with many such professionals. They're great people and interested in helping you apply to their school. When I was a professor at Xavier University, I taught a biblical studies course called Theology 253, Psalms in Wisdom Literature. The course covered major sections of the Bible that are classified as the wisdom genre. The most famous example is the book of Proverbs, which has hundreds of short and memorable sayings that teach a simple lesson. To introduce Proverbs, I asked students to write their own short, memorable sayings that teach a lesson, and we discussed how human cultures have their own sayings that wise people invented over the years. For example, an apple a day keeps the doctor away. That's not in the Bible, that's just a famous saying from culture. Or, a stitch in time saves nine. How about this one? A bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. Each of these statements is instructional. There's a lesson in each one. Students and parents, you probably know the lesson concealed in the saying, an apple a day keeps the doctor away. The lesson's simple, eat healthy. When you eat healthy, you see the doctor less. It's wise to eat healthy. Another wise saying, which is the most relevant to my presentation today, don't put all your eggs in one basket. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. The wisdom here is simple too. Have a variety of options. People who count on one option only will be disappointed when that option falls through. Don't put all your eggs in one basket reminds me of a farm. The farmer who collects all her hen's eggs in one basket will be disappointed when she accidentally backs a tractor over that one basket. But if, she, but if she uses three baskets, she's got a second and third basket of eggs when the tractor ruins the first. Students, in your college applications and scholarship search, it is in your best interest not to put all your eggs in one basket. It's wise to have a variety of options. Diversify your options. In a few moments, I'm going to coach you on this, as I usually do, with some personal illustrations. In my experience, humans, not just high school students, are vulnerable to violating the principle I'm talking about here. And that principle is pursue a variety or diversity of options. We're vulnerable to violating that because success is powerful. Success is inspirational and influential. The faces of successful people appear on magazine covers, on websites, the news, etc., when I hear how they succeeded, as an optimistic American, I convince myself that if I do the same things they did, then I'll succeed exactly as they did. And I start to put all my eggs into a particular basket. I think I'm not alone in this. I'd like to describe two ridiculously successful people and draw some lessons from their experiences. And I'm building to a point about diversity variety in college applications and scholarships, so bear with me. As a kid, my favorite hobby was collecting baseball cards. Initially, I really didn't know anything about the players, and I was careless with the cards themselves. Like many boys, I used a clothespin to attach a card to my bike 
in a way that would catch the wheel spokes to create a motor sound as I pedaled down the street. But eventually, my knowledge about the cards and players increased. Because baseball cards mattered to me, my dad got involved too. And from time to time, we would visit large venues, pay a modest fee, and enter a showroom where there were rows and rows of vendors selling cards. Old cards, new cards, baseball cards, basketball cards, football cards. The sense of cardboard and cigarette smoke hung in the air. This was the 1980s, so American smoking culture was different then. Events like these were a source of great pleasure for a kid like myself. One venue in Toledo, Ohio's Gladio Plaza regularly featured celebrity athletes who would sign autographs, successful people like I just described a second ago. The main event on the day I have in mind wasn't a baseball player. It was a fellow that I really hadn't heard much about, Muhammad Ali. I guess my dad explained to me that Parkinson's disease was already an issue at that point in his life, but he was still there to autograph. My memory is of Ali in a photo op. He was holding a little kid for a picture. Evidently, the boy had become separated from his family, was upset, and a picture with Ali was supposed to calm him down. Maybe the little guy was a boxing fan. I don't know. I also didn't know the athletic talent that stood before me that day. Ali was extremely skilled and athletically successful. Years later, I watched a video of Ali fighting Sonny Liston in the mid-1960s. The blow that Ali landed on Liston's head to knock him out has become known as the phantom punch. I've seen the punch in real time and slow motion. The real-time version reminds me of a cobra strike. I just can't believe how quick Ali was. Many consider him the greatest heavyweight champion of all time. He was an extremely successful boxer and athlete. Now, on to successful person number two. Throughout my career, I've encountered many college and high school student-athletes. My football player student-athletes sometimes rattle off to me college football programs, programs they want to compete in. Though not the most common, Ohio State is mentioned here and there. Having grown up in the Buckeye State and graduated from Ohio State, that's always music to my ears, to be honest. I think their interest in Ohio State football is rooted in the perceived dominance of the football program within their league and over arch-rival Michigan. But this has not always been the case. I grew up in a small Ohio town close to the Michigan border, and the population was sort of divided in its allegiance. Some Ohio State, some Michigan. For me, as a boy and into high school, many a November weekend was ruined when the Buckeyes played the Wolverines and lost. To this day, I'm haunted by Michigan players that spoiled my hopes for a Buckeye win. Colazar, Horde, Howard, Powers, Wheatley, Wellborn. One year when Ohio State actually won, my dear cousin, a devout Wolverine, took the wind out of my sails when she told me Michigan threw the game out of respect for Ohio State's outgoing head coach. Another year when I was in elementary school, I was gullible. A friend told me during lunch on the Friday before Saturday's game that that year's Ohio State-Michigan game had already been played and that Michigan won. I was in disbelief. The next day when the Wolverines did win, 
I thought maybe he was right, and I'd been watching an extended, re- an extended replay the entire afternoon. Fast forward to my college years when I would watch the game in person in the Ohio State student section. Wolverine dominance continued. Freshman year, Ohio State undefeated, undefeated until Michigan. Sophomore year at home, Ohio State undefeated, leading at the half. An Ohio Stadium icon called Neutron Man addressed us in the student section at halftime and referred to Ohio State as the 10.5-0 Buckeyes. The wheels fell off the cart in the second half and we lost. Junior year, lost. Senior year, at home. Ohio State won. (laughs) We finally won. After time expired, I rushed the field with the student section. Michigan State was Ohio State's only loss that season prior to the victory over the Wolverines. Despite taunts from a Michigan student, apparently down from Ann Arbor, about that loss to Michigan State, it was a bonanza. And we defeated a Michigan team led by a, led by a relatively unknown and only marginally successful quarterback, a guy called Tom Brady. Had I known then what Tom Brady was destined to become, I probably would have paid a little more attention to him. Maybe I would have sought him out for an autograph after the game. No one can question Brady's dominance during his NFL career in the succeeding years. Often referred to as the greatest of all time, his athletic record is almost otherworldly. Hundreds of touchdowns, decades in the National Football League, seven Super Bowl titles, tens of thousands of passing yards, MVP awards, and on and on and on. Ali had, and in Brady's case, he still has, extreme athletic prowess. Their success is inspirational influential, and powerful. If a high school student has some athletic talent, then they're vulnerable to putting all their eggs into the I'm going to be the next Tom Brady basket or the next Muhammad Ali basket. I'm cautioning you against this mindset, students. By the way, I could take Ali and Brady out of the conversation, replace them with non-athlete examples from show business, Nobel Prize winners, politics, business, and make the same point about the success of others leading us to unwise and wrong conclusions about ourselves. This mindset, this I'm destined for this specific type of success mindset, comes out when a high school senior makes statements like this at the beginning of senior year. I'm going to Harvard. Or I have what it takes to play in the NBA. Or I'm going to perform on Broadway. Now, don't get me wrong. I hope you go to Harvard, and I hope you make it to the NBA and Broadway, and I'm going to do everything I can to get you there, but let's have plans B, C, D, and E if you don't. Pursue many options. Diversify your options. So here's how you diversify your options in college admissions. I recommend you apply to five colleges. At least one should be guaranteed admission in a city or location you could see yourself enjoying for four years because you're going to live there for four years. You know your guaranteed admission by reading a college's admissions website. It should provide data about their typical student profile. Your guaranteed admission college should never be a highly selective, or to be safe, probably even a selective college. Highly selective colleges are difficult for everyone to get into. For example, this fall, hundreds of thousands of seniors 
are applying for about 25,000 seats in the Ivy League. An Ivy League school will reject anywhere from 90 to 95 out of 100 applicants. This fall, an admissions counselor from a highly selective college talked about students with perfect ACT scores. Think about that, a perfect standardized test score. She said her college rejects 7 in 10 applicants with perfect ACT scores. Again, highly selective colleges are difficult for everyone to get into. In my opinion, they're, they're miracle schools for everyone. Okay, so you have a guaranteed admission college. This is your safety school. You're going to get in. Maybe you add another guaranteed admission college to your list of five. Then have two or three mid-range schools. These are colleges where you're on the bubble sort of a 50-50 chance that you get admitted. Again, the admissions websites and counselors from those colleges will help you know where you fit. Your fifth college should be a miracle school, which is a college that is a reach for you, but you would still love to attend. Highly selective institutions come to mind. These are Ivy League or Duke, Stanford, Caltech, MIT, University of Chicago, A miracle school could be less competitive, but it should be competitive for you in light of your GPA, standardized tests, etc. If you apply to a spectrum of colleges like I just explained, then I think you're not putting all your eggs in one basket. What about college scholarships? When I was in high school, my dad's company awarded a full tuition scholarship to a dependent of a college of a company employee. This happened every year. Nationwide, there were probably 10 to 20,000 employees. So my competition was likely dozens of fellow seniors, maybe one or 200. Throughout high school, most of my scholarship eggs were in that basket. I counted on that scholarship. I wanted that scholarship. I applied for that scholarship. I didn't get that scholarship. Students, don't fall victim to the same thing. As I've explained before, create a free scholarship application account on goingmary.com. That's going, G-O-I-N-G, Mary, M-E-R-R-Y.com. Juniors and seniors, I urge you to apply to one scholarship each week. Underclassmen, you should apply also, perhaps one each month. Remember, time-intensive scholarships are less competitive because students don't want to spend time writing scholarship essays. I have a three-part series on money, financial aid, and the FAFSA that you can access through collegeapp101.com, Spotify, or iTunes. The FAFSA is the free application for federal student aid which you apply for as a senior. If you apply for scores of scholarships throughout high school and the FAFSA as a senior, and your chances of creating variety and diversity of scholarship options for yourself increases. Just a few more thoughts before I conclude. Circling back to my career at Xavier and that course, Theology 253, Psalms and Wisdom Literature. One of the books we read in that course was written by a very wise and old man. Imagine a white-haired fellow with a beard who retired long ago, looking back on his life, sharing his wisdom with younger generations. The book is sort of famous even among non-religious people. It's called Ecclesiastes. The author says in chapter 9, verse 11, he says this, I saw that the race doesn't belong to the fast, because time and chance happen to everyone. 
By this statement, he means the fastest people don't always win the race because their goal to win is interrupted by something. That something is time and chance, which I take to mean some X factor. Some unknown factor gets in the way of the goal. Personal examples that that haunt all of us, whether we're runners or not, include an injury, sickness, family circumstance, financial trouble. Worldwide examples would be something like the pandemic or some other disaster. These are calamities that get in the way of our goal to win. Xavier's in Ohio, so my Xavier students and I felt a connection to native Ohioan LeBron James. He was in the NBA nearly a decade before he won an NBA title. I was teaching this class at a time when he hadn't won yet. LeBron was my illustration to explain that the fastest people don't always win the race because he was so talented and we expected him to win, but his goal to win was denied for several seasons. When a student has a variety of college and scholarship options, they're more insulated from life's X-factors, those unknown events and circumstances that we're blind to but happen inevitably. The X-factors of life are all the more reason not to put all our eggs into one basket, dear students. If you've enjoyed this and other College App 101 podcasts, please share them through Spotify, iTunes, or my website. Until next time, I'm your pre-college advisor, Dr. Riley. For more information about succeeding in high school, college apps, or to contact me, visit my website, collegeapp101.com. That's college, C-O-L-L-E-G-E, app, A-P-P-101.com.